Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. If you're familiar with, uh, if you're not familiar with Men's Aid, it does the same as Women's Aid. It offers support to men who are subject to domestic violence and coercive control. But what they've noticed over the last few years is that the problems don't just arise in opposite sex couples, but in LGBT plus community too. Derek Byrne is the LGBT plus education officer at Men's Aid. Good afternoon, Derek. Good afternoon, Sean. How are you doing? Uh, now, I think probably most people knowing, uh, listening would know that there had been an, uh, a reported increase in, in domestic violence incidents, particularly during the pandemic, during lockdown. And did you find the same thing was happening with the LGBT plus community? Well, this was um, before my time with um, Men's Aid. Um, I joined the organisation in April of last year, but it was because there was a rise in calls from men in same-sex relationships to our helpline that um, our CEO, Katrina Bentley, looked at the idea of bringing somebody in to actually raise awareness of this issue and and perhaps respond to it and look at how services were reacting to uh, issues of domestic violence and coercive control within an LGBT context. So um, certainly once I took on the role and started meeting with other organisations um, phone lines like the Switchboard, for example, organisations like Belong To, working with young LGBT people, I discovered that, in fact, yes, those services had witnessed uh, an increase in calls relating to issues of domestic violence. And for the very same reasons that everybody did. You know, people were cooped up at home together all day. There was no respite. Um, and those stresses and tensions built and very often acted out and became issues of domestic violence. Uh, are there figures about, you know, percentage-wise that increase, was it, was it equivalent or more or less than opposite-sex couples? Um, I, on, 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 in terms of the ratio, it would have been around about the same. Yeah, I mean, we would see, for example, that around uh, 94% of the calls to our helpline are from men where the perpetrator is a woman. And about 4 or 5% of the calls would be uh, from men where the perpetrator was a man in an intimate relationship. And in terms of the population ratio, that's about right. So that's what you would be expecting um, from, you know, from the LGBT population. So it was, you know, very much on par. I mean, you know, I think the thing to, to realize is that domestic violence, intimate partner violence and coercive control is a human issue. It's not necessarily down to whether, you know, the perpetrator is a man or a woman or a member of the LGBT community. You know, there, there are, it, it is, a, from our point of view, it's a human rights issue mm. and something that we respond to in that regard. But there are, you know, unique factors when it comes to minority groups and particularly um, sexual uh, minority groups. And, and the research shows that LGBT uh, uh, populations um, do experience um, uh, domestic violence at higher rates than other populations. Sexual violence, for example, is a, a major issue within the uh, gay population and the bisexual population, male population. So there are other factors, and emotional violence actually is seen as the most threatening form of violence, which is surprising. You know, it's not physical violence, but you're seeing emotional, psychological violence, sexual violence as being the main issues when it comes to uh, the LGBT population. Mm. Is there, and within, say, uh, when it's male, 
Yeah. Is, is it just one male in, uh, exacting the, the coercive control or the violence on the other male? Can it flow both ways? Can it become yeah, extremely toxic yeah. that way? It, it, it's in fact, it's, it's one of the factors of um, domestic violence in an LGBT context, whether it's male or female, is that the violence tends to be bi-directional. That means that both partners can be violent or abusive towards each other. And there's lots of reasons for that. I mean, we look at certainly from the, the uh, gay, bisexual, uh, transgender male point of view, you're looking at, um, you know, power struggles, diactic power struggles, where maybe one is older than the other, one is relying on another for somewhere to live, maybe one has more money than the other. You're also looking at the fear of outing as being a major issue, but also internalised homophobia is seen as the most intense factor when it comes to domestic violence in a uh, male same-sex relationship. And that's something that I'm particularly interested in um, myself. I'm looking to do some further work on, you know, why is it that gay and bisexual men in an Irish context still have this heavy, you know, load of internalized homophobia in a country where, you know, we have come so far and we've seen so many advances in the gay rights movement, but that still remains um, with uh, the population, the gay population, bisexual population, as a major, a major factor that plays on on why we experience um, domestic violence and coercive control in an LGBT context. Mm. And so what kind of evidence is there that, 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 that at least a factor is internalised homophobia? Yeah. Well, you know, there's, I've been working with people like uh, Rob Stevenson in the United States who uh, works at Arizona University. He's been a wonderful help to me since I came uh, into Men's Aid. Well, we have some wonderful research coming from a woman called Ashley Callan, which will be released this year. And, of course, Melissa Corbally at Trinity College has done a huge amount of work on this. And their research, will be, which will be available this year, as I say, does point to internalised homophobia as, as you know, the, the, the key issue, the main issue when it comes to gay and bisexual men um, in, in terms of exerting uh, domestic violence. And what's interesting is that very often the, the victim can become the perpetrator. If you can imagine somebody, you know, under a lot of stress at work, um, you know, experiencing homophobia at work, there is a tendency for them to go home and then turn that against their partner as a, as a release, a stress release. And, you know, minor, minority stress factors are, are listed in the new uh, Zero Tolerance Domestic Violence Strategy, which was launched by Minister McEntee last year. This intersectionality, looking at domestic violence from diverse lenses and understanding the role that those minority stresses play in domestic violence, you know, we all have stresses in life, you know, how to pay the electricity bill, for example. Mm-hmm. But members of minorities, in particular sexual minorities, migrants, disabled people, have extra factors on top of all of that, which play a, a part in, you know, people acting out and, and being um, violent and abusive towards their partners. Yeah. So it's important that we understand those factors if we're going to respond properly and effectively with, with services, which is another another story altogether. The, 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 just in with the search for a minute, the, the, yeah. uh, uh, on the male-to-male uh, aspect of it, it sounds like you're doing a, 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 a lot of work is being done. Is the same amount of work being done when it's, it's female and female? Well, you see, that's really interesting, Sean. Um, Lynn Cal at Trinity College has been doing work on this for, for years and it sounded very frustrating. Very difficult to get uh, women in same-sex relationships to engage in this kind of work, this kind of research, because what's interesting is they don't accept what they're experiencing as domestic violence. 
because there isn't a man involved. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's a very complex issue and it's not easy at all. Um, but with the female issue, uh, alcohol abuse tends to be a major factor. But those relationships in particular are, they are physically violent, but they're also, um, it's where, you know, both partners are violent towards each other. It's yeah. bi-directional. Yeah, that's, 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 that is kind of interesting, I suppose, because domestic violence is now such it's loaded in the sense that we think of it as uh, always perpetrated by a man on a woman in the vast yeah, majority of cases yeah. it is of course um, yeah you know and, and we've got to challenge that because that's just simply not true yeah. that is you know that's kind of like our, our stereotypical understanding it's what we've seen in the media it's, 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 it's what gets the most attention but it simply is not the truth and I think that certainly part of the work we're, we're doing at Men's Aid is, is challenge those, challenging those notions and, and helping society to open up to the fact that domestic violence is a human issue. And things like, you know, the, the Johnny Depp uh, trial last year helped, I think. Those are the kind of things that help men to open up to the reality that they can be a victim. And, and you know, what, what stops men reporting whether they're gay, straight, bisexual, or whatever, is their fear of not being believed, that people will not believe that they are a victim of domestic violence, whether it's a man or a woman who is the perpetrator. Mm. Now, you, see, you you mentioned services there uh, um, yeah. uh, uh, for, for men in same-sex relationships. When they ring up men's aid, how much can you do for them? Well, the first thing is that, you know, when people ring our lines, they're in crisis. And, and the first thing we, we make sure is that that person is safe. That is paramount. That's the first thing. Second of all, we ensure that they... They feel believed and that that person is there on the other end of the phone to help them. We can do a lot for them. We give information on services that are available and, uh, and our court support services are fantastic. So, you know, uh, we, can, we can refer them to the various services within our own organization should they need to, for example, proceed to legal proceedings. But what we can do as well is refer them to relevant services within the LGBT community, for example, for members of the the, the, you know, for gay and bisexual men. And one of the things that we, we've done pretty well uh, since I've taken on the role is meet with as many organizations uh, in the LGBT community, not only in Dublin, but around the country. I'm actually in Galway today um, working on, on delivering our, our training to a service down here. But I've been able to refer people to various places where they can get the best help, the, the, the best support, um, the most efficient support that they need and by working together, um, we've been able to kind of put a, a greater picture together, what's going on from the grassroots. Because what I found was when I went out and started talking to organizations, this was happening, but they didn't realize that it was happening in each other's services. You know, like the youth services belonged to, you didn't realize, for example, that the phone lines, switchboard were getting calls, LGBT Ireland didn't realize, even Women's Aid, you know, were getting calls from gay men, mm. because of course, the perpetrator was a man, so they thought that that would be a place to, to call. So by coming together, by mapping out the services, by looking at what we're doing, we've been able to create a, a more efficient response to it, and, and, and hopefully that will, only, that will only build. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to be talking about this issue more and being more open and honest about it. Yeah, and so if a man rings up, actually, whether he's gay or straight, and, and he's yeah. being subjected to violence... Is it possible to get that man a, a, a refuge of some sort, a, pl- a place well, to get out of you know, that situation? Sean, you, you, you raise a very important point there. There are no refuges for men in Ireland. And that's, you know, that, that's a shocking uh, thing to say, but um, there, there's nothing available. Sonus have just launched a pilot program, the first um, non-gender safe 
space in the country. And at least, you know, we can we can point members of the LGBT community um, there. And they've been doing some wonderful work with transgender women, for example. But at the moment, there are no refuges or safe houses for men, gay, straight or whatever in, in Ireland. And that is something that needs to change. And it needs to change promptly, you know. Derek, thanks a million for speaking with us to, uh, today. Derek Byrne is LGBT plus education officer at Men's Aid. Derek, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Sean. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. with Anna Glaze on News Talk.